Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Final Games, the podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and stranded in my deserted place today, this week, is a guest who is no stranger to other places, and might actually do absolutely fine there, while also capturing the beauty of it at the same time. He's an incredibly well-established video game journalist and writer, currently one of the editors at The Fantastic PC Gamer, and he's written something on just about everything from video games to technology, and from science to film. He's contributed to some of the most popular sites and publications out there, publications such as Vice, The Guardian, Edge, Total Film, and Official PlayStation Magazine. He's also the creator of the award-winning YouTube channel Other Places, which, if ever there was to be physical evidence in the case of video games or art debate, Other Places would definitely be Exhibit A. Other Places is a presentation on just how beautiful video games can be, with my guest capturing the beauty and impressive vistas of some of gaming's most iconic and famous places. In 2015, Other Places won a Games Media Award in the video category. He's one of the hardest working and most creative people I know of in the industry. It seems that when an idea pops into his head, he just immediately runs with it. His Twitter feed is a mountain of internet gold almost daily, and it always seems like he's coming up with something new. Most recently, I've personally enjoyed his write-ups on the first two James Bond films, something he did seemingly just for fun. My guest today is the wonderful British export that is Mr. Andy Kelly. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's good to have you on the show and it's really good to be talking with you today. You've chosen some very interesting games. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> you've been a, you've been around in the video game industry for a long time now. Uh, people will definitely know of your work if they've been following the video game industry closely for a long time. Um, I was wondering, like, how did you get started? Because you're quite a young guy. You're quite a young guy. But you've been around yeah, for well, a long time. And so you are yeah. quite the well-established journalist. Can you just yeah, well, let... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I started when I was 18, so I had a bit of a bit of a head start. Um, I joined PSM2 magazine, Yeah, uh, which was an unofficial PlayStation 2 magazine that over the course of my time there morphed into a PlayStation 3 magazine and then got shut down. So, oh. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I left. I, I was always interested in games writing. Uh, used to read PC Zone in the late 90s, and Charlie Brooker was the writer for them. Yeah. Uh, at that time and I was pretty obsessed with his style and a lot of my early writing is a very poor attempt at trying to be like Charlie Brooker um, <laughs> but, um yeah so I, I just I was just always writing in my free time when I was at school and um I started a college course on publishing but um during that time PSM2 magazine of which I was a reader at the time um ran a sort of recruitment drive in the magazine so they were asking for readers to send in writing samples okay and of course i already was writing in my free time so i had tons of these samples so i thought i'll just send some off yeah. um and f- what seemed like very quickly they rang up and went do you want a job and i left glasgow and moved to bath oh, fantastic. Uh, and i've i've been there ever since still at the same company future publishing but yeah. now working for pc gamer yeah and you've moved up through pc gamer and become quite the known person at pc gamer yeah so we always always uh, admired pc gamer respected it as yeah. um very sort of well regarded publication so getting a job on that was good and yeah and i'm i'm um i'm features editor which yeah. is good but uh, really the the role is kind of just uh something to be on the books i mean my day-to-day is just writing you know reviews uh, mainly reviews and features but yeah, yeah so it's it's more of a just a, a a, a title for the sake of having one but yeah i really am just uh anything that needs written a pc game or on the website in the magazine that's 
that's where I come in. Oh, fantastic. So if anyone's like, oh, we need to do this, oh, give it to Andy. Give it to Andy. Yeah. <laughs> He's features editor, just give it to him. <laughs> yeah, but well, that's cool. You know, I, I, that's that's what I like doing. I just like, love writing and games. So the, the two combined is, yeah. is working pretty well. Yeah, well, that's fantastic because uh, it's really funny. Um, you kind of see a lot of journalists, they're kind of, they don't openly admit how much they like games or they seem to always be... I don't know, aspiring to be better writers in various different categories, but I constantly see you uh, passionately displaying your love of certain video games and talking about video games all the time. And you always seem to be writing ideas about new, uh, um, new stuff about video games and creating all these different things like other places. And uh, you were doing something about box art recently as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, con- yeah. Concept. Art. I got, I got, I went for a phase of, been really into video game concept art so yeah just any the sort of artist artistic side of games or the visual side of it is usually you know latch myself onto that i find that very interesting to write about and just to you know devour so so how did other places come about then was it just a natural thing that you thought of one day you're like oh why has no one done this or why am i not doing this yet was it that kind of thing yeah well i was i was um went through a phase of being sort of obsessed with taking screenshots in games um, when I got a decent GPU for my PC, I was like just taking tons of screenshots yeah. of of games, and um, I set up a kind of mini site to put screenshots on called Other Places, which mm-hmm. I can't even remember where that name came from. <laughs> um, and then I was playing Skyrim, and I was sort of flying around with the a free camera that yeah. lets you take control of the camera and fly around without the, being plugged into your character's head. And um, yeah, I just I, I I can't even remember the spark that fired in my head, but I just went, why don't I do a video compilation of mm. sort of living screenshots um and also i was teaching myself video editing at the time as well like i okay. i knew i wanted to do something in, on youtube and i taught myself premiere because um, i like to teach myself programs occasionally just okay. for the hell of it and yeah so all those all those circumstances coalesced and uh, popped other places fantastic i remember the first video i saw of other places was the los santos one Um, Ah, because i was working at rockstar at the time and people were like oh check out this video and really captures the beauty of what we're doing with los santos was that the was that the uh the very early one the xbox 361 i think it was Um, the xbox 361 then you did an updated pc one after yeah you did you you wrote an article didn't you for the guardian about the top 10 places you should go in gta or was it i did yeah yeah Yeah, that's yeah part of my whole yeah, virtual tourism thing is extended into writing sometimes. And yeah. Keith, Keith at the Guardian said, you know, do you want to do like a sort of virtual tour of, of Los Santos and the surrounding area? But yeah, that, that first Los Santos, other places I did yeah on the Xbox 360 version. And because there's no tools in that, in that to take control of the camera, I was just driving around in a golf caddy, which had yeah. the lowest <laughs> in the first in first person, which had the lowest profile and steadiest sort of. You know, it was like a camera dolly, basically. Yeah. And I was just driving around, driving up Mount Chiliad in a in a golf cart, trying to get shots of you know mountains and stuff. But yeah. so when the PC version came out, it was like all these built-in editing tools. I was like, yeah. oh, "This is much better." Yeah, <laughs> we spent a long time uh, making sure that worked properly. <laughs> yeah, and it's brilliant. Wow. No, I'm, I'm going to do another. Um, uh, another other places using those editing tools i've got a quite an interesting idea to present okay fantastic well i certainly look forward to it yeah well your the my favorite one is the skelliger one because i i the witcher 3 i think is just one of the most beautiful games and 
you really captured how amazing that game can look with all the different vistas in that game. Whoa. Blown away by some how good that game looks sometimes. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it was quite a hard video to make that just because there's so much to point the camera at. You yeah. Know, so everywhere. Yeah, it's so good. Very, very nice. Okay, well, you are a very busy man, so we're going to move on to your games quite quickly today. So um, the first game we're going to talk about is a game uh, I spoke about last week, actually. So I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective on this game. So we're going to listen to some music and then we'll dive right straight into it. Okay, Andy, so your first game for your deserted place. All right, talking about deserted place and other places, let's say in your case you get trapped in a video game world. Yeah. For the sake of <laughs> thematic elements. Um, I'll let you decide where you want to get trapped, but there is no one else there. So what what do you think? Where would you like to get trapped? Out of okay. all the places you've covered on <laughs> other places. All right, this might sound a bit mad but i'd quite like to be stranded on the uh space station from alien isolation <laughs> uh, sevastopol not not with an alien there though just me on my own just you on your uh, own so just me in deep space you know on some sort of abandoned station that sounds pretty good to me okay okay <laughs> Okay, well, I'll allow it. Space is definitely one of those places that you're definitely not coming back from if you get trapped in, so <laughs> yeah. I'll allow it. And we'll say there's a there's a cabinet on the ship that you stumble across that has all these games that you like in it. Yeah, maybe the power's cut out like everywhere apart from this one room that has a some sort of futuristic <laughs> emulation device in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay, so the first game we're going to talk about today is Tetris. Um, yeah. Andy, please tell me why you've picked Tetris. Yeah, well, specifically the original Game Boy one. Okay, um, I've got a uh, original Game Boy, the old grey one, yeah. uh, still in my house with Tetris in it, and I pick it up quite a lot. And I think uh, Tetris has gotten quite overcomplicated with all the versions that have come out. Um, even versions that are supposedly the original Tetris have got you know lots of unnecessary crap added to them yeah uh, i just like the sort of purity of the game boy one and i think the vision the sort of uh the look of it and the sound of the music and stuff is just you know perfect it's it's a sort of captured moment in time of gaming and i think it's yeah it's, it's still playable today and i could play tetris forever and i've been playing it on and off my whole life fantastic how did you first come across tetris was it something you got with your game boy like most people did or was it you saw a friend playing it and you were like oh my god what's that yeah my um 
a friend of mine at school had it. I never had a Game Boy, and um, that's when I first played Tetris. And uh, at the time, I didn't really understand how to play it, but as I got older, I kept coming back to it. And um, yeah, now I, I just think it's, it's it's so beautifully simple, so elegantly designed, and and yeah, I just can't fathom how the guy who invented it came up with it. You know, it just <laughs> so just it's just so perfect i can't i can't think of a game that is more pure and perfect than the original tetris oh fantastic so you're not a big fan of um do you watch agdq uh no okay well uh it's this uh speed running um series that happens in the summer usually uh, and at christmas and they usually have like a tetris grandmaster uh oh, yeah. face off i don't know if you've ever seen it no, I haven't. Oh, it's definitely one of the most complicated and mind-blowing things I think you can possibly watch. And I yeah. think when you talk about the overcomplications that some later versions of Tetris bring upon, that definitely shines upon what exactly yeah. has become of Tetris now. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not actually any good at Tetris, I should stress. I'm... That was going to be my next question. I yeah. asked Simon Parkin last week if he was any good at Tetris, and he actually claimed to be pretty good at it so yeah i'm I'm not amazing once it starts uh speeding up in the later levels i i usually fold under the pressure but i just <laughs> the it's kind of like the the experience of playing it. i don't play it really for the to get as many lines as possible i play it just for the the, the minute to minute experience of playing it which i find very zen so yeah. just you know you, you get hypnotized by it and it's it's quite a you know People talk about escapism in games being like, you know, escaping in a Skyrim and, you know, places like that. But yeah. when you're playing Tetris, like it just, everything around me just gets, you know, blurred out. Everything's, everything's sort of out of focus around me. It just, everything, all I care about is Tetris. So I thought <laughs> that'd be a good choice for um, taking to this remote place. Well, because definitely. It's, uh, yeah, because it helps helps you forget about your uh, mm. crippling loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like you'd be okay in this ship. You all instantly knew where you wanted to go, so I can't imagine you'd yeah. have too much trouble. <laughs> Do you reckon you could make in other places about Tetris? The oh. blocks falling slowly with the music. <laughs> you know, that's that's genuinely. I think that's a good idea. Um, maybe set to some sort of stirring orchestral music, just yeah. sort of slow shots of, of the blocks falling and slotting into each other Fantastic. i might actually do that that sounds that sounds brilliant well you can, you can have that one for free <laughs> <laughs> you could get, try and find some uh soviet inspired orchestral music to go with it yeah yeah that'd be brilliant Ooh, I, might, I, I, I might genuinely look into that <laughs> oh that sounds good i'll look forward to, i look forward to that actually now <laughs> thinking about it you have to get uh what is it the super game boy so you can put the cartridge on the tv so you can export the footage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well Tetris is uh, pretty standard for anyone who really wants to go to a deserted place because of the replayability, so we'll give you that one. Okay, so we're going to move on to your next game, and this is also another game that you could probably play for an basically ever, forever, basically. <laughs> so we're going to listen to some music from the next game.
Okay, Andy, so your next game is Animal Crossing New Leaf, the 3DS Animal Crossing. Um, it was released in the West in June of 2014 and developed by Nintendo's number one team, the Nintendo EAD team, and produced by Katsuya Eguchi. Um, you play as the mayor of a town in the uh, New Leaf game, and it sold over just under 10 million copies worldwide, which is a crazy amount of copies. So, Andy, please tell me why Animal Crossing is going to be on your deserted cabinet in space. Yeah, well, like you said, it is a game you could play forever. I mean, it's kind of, uh, for anyone who hasn't played it, it's got a kind of internal clock, and as the seasons and time passes in real life, so does it in Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I've played all the Animal Crossing games, and New Leaf is the one that I've spent the most time playing. Um, And, again, it's kind of similar to Tetris in that it's like a sort of, um, a lot of my choices are for this reason, where it's kind of zen and it's kind of relaxing to play. Yeah. Um, Because, really, I mean, all you're doing is running about, planting, you know, fruit trees, collecting fruit, collecting shells on the beach, having inane conversations with your neighbors, having the odd coffee (laughs) at the coffee shop. You know, I just like the kind of, I think uh, if I would, you know, deserted somewhere, it would give my give me a sense of routine because I, I yeah. when I was playing New Leaf, I was waking up super early in the morning, excited about what you know had happened in my town, like whether the barber shop had appeared or you know <laughs> whether my uh, my perfect fruit trees had sprouted. You know, like it, there was a nice, mm. it, it sort of became a part of my own daily routine where I'd be like, right, it's lunchtime, so I'll have a sandwich and I'll check in with my yeah. town. That um, definitely so that yeah. definitely happened to me as well. Um, just this game that you sort of carry about with you and any chance you get you sort of just update it a little bit or yeah. just double check something yeah i, I kind of like i like that about it because even though what's going to happen day to day isn't amazingly exciting it's even the smallest change in your town or the or a new neighbor moving in in the context of animal crossing is hugely exciting so yeah, yeah i like i think I'd, I'd i'd like to have that sense of the unknown and that sense of something i don't know what's going to happen Whereas a lot of my other games, I know what's going to come. Whereas Animal Crossing, there's a nice element of randomness to it. Yeah, you know? I spent I spent most of my time playing New Leaf, uh, designing pixel art clothes that I would <laughs> yeah. give uh, the QR to all of my colleagues um, who were playing it as well. I spent hours making pixel art versions of like. Um, Halo characters and uh, Metroid characters and Mario characters for. Ever for like oh, I don't know about six weeks every night just making pixel art versions to go on t-shirts yeah. in that game. Well, that's what's great about it as well. There's a lot of different things to do in it. I mean, you can mm. compose like music mm. to make your town tune. Yeah, you can design stuff and with pixel art. And yeah, I just think it's. Uh, I mean, a lot of people hate Animal Crossing. I don't understand it, and I was skeptical going in, but it just totally got its claws in me, and yeah. I'd like nothing more than to have New Leaf with me on if I were ever stranded anywhere. Fantastic. Have you? Do you know of the uh, Chrome plugin you can get where you can have Animal Crossing music basically play throughout the whole time you're using? Chrome yeah, Chrome? I've actually. Yeah, I've got this installed. Actually, it's amazing. And um, the I remember one when I first installed it, I stayed up till one a.m. just so I could hear the one a.m. music, which is my <laughs> favorite, favorite track at New Leaf. The, the music is really nice. I like how it oh, changes. The music's wonderful. 
uh, from hour to hour it changes and like mm. as you get into the wee small hours the music becomes really peaceful yeah. and if it's raining it'll add sort of extra elements into it as well or if yeah. it's snowing so yeah that's another thing the music's very calming and uh yeah it's sort of it's weirdly like it's weirdly like melancholy as well i kind of like the the tone of animal crossing where it's it's kind of sad sometimes and um despite being quite a cutesy looking game it definitely can be it can bring out all of the emotions when something goes wrong or you need to pay a certain amount or you just need to spend ages gaining something it can be quite frustrating and then other times when the smallest thing happens as you said like a new neighbor comes or something opens up and you're like oh this is this is incredible <laughs> this yeah. is what i've been waiting for for ages or someone you like moves out as well as like a really you yeah know, exactly yeah, yeah you can be quite sad you like that neighbor you spoke to all the time and you live next door and you you took house tips from the way his default house had been set up and yeah and, and then, then they pack up and leave because in. you're not a good yeah. enough mayor <laughs> yeah did you play uh happy home designer recently no i don't actually actually when, when i said I've, I've played all the animal crossings i've played all of them up until new leaf so okay the recent developments in the animal crossing world i'm not uh familiar with so you haven't played amiibo festival either <laughs> no i haven't <laughs> Have you have you bought any of the uh, Animal Crossing Amiibo, per chance? No, uh, I, I, I own zero Amiibo, Ooh. but I do like the look of some of them, but I just can't bring myself to... I wanted a Yarn Yoshi, okay. I just can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> there is, there's a mega Yarn Yoshi now, so if oh, you wow. really wanted to go all out, you can buy a, a Yarn What's Yoshi. What's different about that? It's just a bigger one. It's about five times bigger <laughs> See, about five, five, and about five times more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're a better them man than I. For anyone who knows me, I do own about 50 amiibos. So, <laughs> yeah, that's something that, like Animal Crossing, uh, sunk my its claws into me. <laughs> yeah. And didn't let go. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, how do you feel about Tom Nook? Everyone else seems to hate him. What about yourself? I think he's, uh, I think he's quite heroic figure. Really? I mean, he he no questions asked. No background check, no credit check. Gives you a mortgage, you know. Gives you a house. <laughs> and in these troubled times of uh, you know people, young couples struggling to buy houses, I think the world could do with more Tom Nook like figures who just yeah. happily just give you a you know give you a mortgage. I mean, he's he's a little bit tyrannical, maybe. I was gonna say um, when he comes around knocking for some money. Uh, yeah, I guess a bit scary. But, you know, he's he's got a he's he's given away all this real estate. You know, in who, who knows how many towns around <laughs> the the world of Animal Crossing. You know, he's yeah. got he's, he's got he's got bills to pay himself. So I think <laughs> he's, he's got, I think yeah, he's quite the uh, pragmatic businessman for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think he's quite. I think he's a bit of a hero, Tom Nook. Maybe it's just a. He's uh, in these times we need more people like we need, we need more sort of um yeah raccoons with lots of real estate to hand out to strangers who just arrived in town by train. Speaking of other places series then, have you are you I would really like to see an Animal Crossing one. Yeah, I mean that that would be that would be great but really almost impossible to do because um console games you know, are kind of yeah. limited in the options for me to disable the HUD and that kind of thing. But I'd like yeah. to have some sort of slow panning shots of, of the town in different seasons with that music playing. That would be really nice. Have you played, do you play Mario Kart? Mario Kart 8 uh, specifically? Yeah, I do, yeah. Hey, um, I, I yeah. imagine you've got the uh, Animal Crossing track. Yeah. 
that because for anyone who doesn't know in that track the it can be the different seasons in animal crossing and the the track changes while the environment around the track changes depending on what season it is and oh it looks absolutely sublime yeah i would love to take a free camera around those courses but again it's yeah and and until someone figures out how to emulate it which might never happen then it's sadly impossible but yeah mario kart 8's um dlc is one of the few that i will just blindly buy no matter what it is just because it's so beautiful (laughs) fantastic fantastic okay well we're going to move on from the wonderful cutesy world of animal crossing to a bit more of a realistic setting in the hard edged simulation that you've chosen next (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to listen to some music from the next game that's if i can actually find any Your next game, if we can call it a game, is Euro Truck Simulator 2 for the PC. Uh, It was developed (laughs) by SCS Software, and it was released in January of 2013 worldwide on PC. And basically, players just drive an articulated truck across a depiction of Europe, picking up various cargoes and delivering it to their designated locations. Is this one of those Zen games? Yeah. I mean, anyone who knows me or has read my stuff will be sick of me talking about this game <laughs> and talking about how relaxing it is, but it, but it is. I mean, it is like one of the, uh, like, I think every game I've picked so far has had an element of, of you know, being relaxing. And I yeah. think that's something I really appreciate in games and admire. Um, Euro Truck Simulator 2 is, uh, you see the title and you think it's one of those rubbishy simulator games that you see sort of in the bargain shelf and, you know, game shops. Uh, for 10p but it's legitimately a really good game um despite the mundane subject matter if you can believe that <laughs> so what it what about the game in terms of like the gameplay and mm. the more game elements of the game do you enjoy the are you do you like the limitations that the game puts in you you can't do a gta well you can but you get absolutely punished for it do you like yeah. the restrictions the game puts on you because it's different to other games yeah, well, that's, I mean, that part of the appeal of it is the sort of uh, the rhythm of, I mean, you can't just turn your brain off and just hold accelerate. You know, you're constantly yeah. got to be aware of, you know, well, just like driving, you got to be aware of traffic, traffic lights, obeying the rules of the road. Um, and because the driving model is so sort of deep and uh, weighty and nuanced, you know, it's a simulation of, of, a, of a truck, you know, you, f- you really feel the weight of the, load behind you and and that differs depending on what you're carrying you know so if you've got like a big load of you know like uh yogurt 
that'll yeah. feel different from <laughs> you know carrying like 12 cars you know like so it, i mean there is but really it is compared to gta or any other sort of uh traditional driving game it is really about a celebration of the mundane about you know driving down dual carriageways stopping in for petrol ping uh your way through toll booths and stuff like that but but there's a kind of uh, the same way i get with tetris it kind of uh, you, zo- you sort of zone out and it's really you know just watching the sort of road roll by and the the game's c- kind of surprisingly beautiful you know it's um when you're driving through like norway or somewhere in scandinavia or you know eastern europe they all have diff- they all have a very distinct feel um and you know it all looks really beautiful um, the rain effects are amazing. Like uh, there's a sort of setting in the game settings where you can increase the probability of rain, and I always have that maxed out because okay. the rain is so nice. You've got to see it in motion. Yeah. Look at it on YouTube. <laughs> the rain's incredible, and you can sort of you can tune into online radio stations from whichever country you're in. So if you're in Germany, no you, know, you can tune, in, tune into a German radio station and listen to it live. And that just, you know, I've been I've have many many great memories of <laughs> sort of cruising down a German highway listening to a german classic rock radio station so it's it's like a bizarre fantasy to be a heavy goods vehicle driver in a gray german motorway <laughs> but to me to me it's just as um as much of a an escape as you know any sort so, of so when you're yeah. in germany and you're driving in germany is there a version of the autobahn in germany that you can really put your foot down and drive as fast as you can in your big truck yeah um you can sort of go wild with the speed limits in certain places, but in Ooh, other places okay. you, you get you get fined uh, for even the slightest transgression. So, yeah. It, it, it does yeah, sound so appealing, doesn't it? The ability to do a job that you're never going to do, but it's so normal, you just want to give it a go, maybe once or twice, yeah, just just to check it out, just to see how it is. Yeah, and it's it's not all kind of. There's a lot of straight roads where you can just hit cruise control, and you know, all you have to do is keep your wheel steady. But um, mm. there'll be sort of moments where you'll have to go down a really narrow country road in France somewhere, and you've got a massive wide load behind you, and you've got to sort of guide, squeeze it down these tiny roads, and then maybe your your lights are malfunctioning, so they blink off, and it's nighttime, and you can't see. You know, there's like moments of incredible excitement. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very rare. Do you, do you have um do you play with a controller or do you have you purposely bought like a steering wheel for the full authentic feel? Yeah, I've played it with a wheel and it is we've got one in the office and it's a force feedback wheel so as you drive along you can feel the sort of rumble of the tarmac. Yeah. I mean that, that's cool but at home that's a step too far. I just use the Xbox One controller cuz it has really nice. Yeah. Um con- uh, console style controller. Okay. Setup. So they could easily bring it to, you know, Xbox One and PS4 and it would play brilliantly. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Top seller of the week on the Xbox Live Store. <laughs> well, it's You're... top seller on Steam quite a lot. So I think, you know, there's a it's quietly very successful. And that's mm. I like to think that's partly because I've written about it for as so many outlets. I wrote a thing for Vice about it that did yeah. really well. So I can imagine your average Vice reader <laughs> reading about a truck simulator and going, what? And maybe... Maybe some of those people, if any of them bought it and enjoyed it, I'm happy. I like to yeah. be a bit of a, a spokesperson for that game. Yeah. Well, you've you've kind of sold me on it, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be checking Steam after this to see if I can find it, <laughs> uh, and then maybe give it a go. Because I remember um, 
when I went to Gamescom in 2011, it was actually Euro Truck Simulator 2. They had a big stand, big, huge stand for it in the back of the hall. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, what? Like, who plays this game? <laughs> who plays these yeah. games? There was another one that was like, um, oh, s- s- like something to do with snow, like snow clearing. Like you oh, could yeah. drive like a van that cleared snow. Um, There's a lot of those those kind of niche simulators mm. for like garbage truck simulator and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're all usually quite low rent and rubbish. Okay. And what sets Euro Truck Simulator 2 apart is that it has production values and it's polished and a well-designed game fundamentally. Yeah. Like, you know, it's more polished than some mega AAA games. It's super, um, performs great on PC yeah. and the controls are great and the handling's brilliant. So like, that's what sets it apart from all those sort of novelty tube driver simulators and stuff, which okay. are all usually a bit creaky and rubbish. So then, please tell me what was the oddest thing you had to carry and what was the longest drive you had to complete in the game? Or the one that you... did? You, can you like custom, Can you set up custom drives and then you just drive for hours? Yeah, you can... Uh, between jobs, you can, you've can. got your own truck, so you can drive wherever you want. Um, but uh, in the actual game itself, you can sort of level up as an XP system and get longer jobs, which earn you more money. Okay. Um, so I think the longest one I did was... <clears throat> I did... Um, I drove from Germany to Norway, which took about three or four hours one time. <laughs> um, and it was it was actually for a magazine feature. Okay. Um, so I felt justified to sit in the office and do it for four hours. But I have in my free time done some pretty long ones. But an hour is usually like my maximum. My, uh, yeah, my maximum. So, but yeah. so when you do like a three-hour drive, do you have to like... Do you do the authentic, you don't press escape to stop? Do you like pull over and park and wait and then go to the loo and get coffee and then you come back and you indicate out and you pull out and you carry on driving? Yeah, no, I I don't actually role play that intensely, but I feel like I should actually. <laughs> that sounds like a, but yeah, I mean, the, the time passes in game faster than obviously real time. Yeah. So there's a tiredness meter that you have to stop off oh. and virtually have a nap occasionally. So there's an, ele- <laughs> an ele- <laughs> there's an element of like management to it. You know, you have to know Yeah. you've got a time limit to deliver your cargo. And if you need a, you know, a sleep, then it could totally lose you the contract kind of thing. So oh. there is some, yeah. And th- there's also a whole truck management thing where you can run your own business and all that, but I never do that. I just do it purely for the, the drive. You know, I don't care yeah. about any of that management. Do you, do you, I was going to say, I was thinking about it now. Have you ever spoken to anyone who is actually a heavy goods driver um, who's played the game for to see how actually authentic it is? Because I was thinking my girlfriend's uh, stepfather, he is a heavy goods driver. And I wondered if he played it, how he would feel about it. Do you know of any stories about someone who is actually, that is their job and they played the game to yeah, no, that I haven't actually, but that is a good idea for a feature. So don't be surprised if I <laughs> you can see have that, that for free, and you can have your Tetris <laughs> other places for free as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, see, I, I, I do know that SCS who develop it talk to truck manufacturers, and I wonder if they know any real truckers in the community. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna I want yeah. to I'm gonna ask them if they know any truckers who want I can interview. That would compete, that would be a good feature versus. Yeah, you truck simulator. It'd be like the opposite of when EA spoke to all those SS Marines who fought <laughs> yeah. the Medal of Honor a few years yeah. ago. We spoke to real soldiers. We spoke to real <laughs> truck drivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I want to do that. I want to see how it compares to the the real experience. That that would be really good. Get them to sit in a with a force be uh, force back 
steering wheel and yeah. sit in the office for a few hours, giving it a drive, <laughs> see how it checks out. Oh, that sounds really a good. bit of a, a busman's holiday for them, I think. No, they'll be like, <laughs> they do it for real. Yeah. They don't need <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can, as I say, you can have that one for free. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Okay, well, we're going to move from the realistic world of driving trucks to the very unrealistic cyberpunk world of Hong Kong for the time being. So let's listen to some music. Okay, Andy, so your next game on your list is a bit of a change from the previous three games you've chosen. It's uh, Deus Ex for PC. It's the wonderful, awesome cyberpunk-themed action game that's developed by Ion Storm and published by Eldos that's directed by Warren Spector. And it was originally released worldwide on June 17th in 2000 for the PC, and then it later received a PS2 release in 2002. It's set in the dystopian world of the year 2052. Players take on the role of the badass UN anti-terrorist coalition agent J.C. Denton. So, Andy, please tell me why Deus Ex. Um, yeah, so Deus Ex is probably my favorite single-player game. Um, I've played through it more than any other, I think. Um, it's just an incredibly well-designed game, and I think uh, even now uh, a lot of modern games struggle to match its kind of complexity and yeah. the freedom it affords players. Um, when you look at the first uh, level, which is uh, Liberty Island um, mm -hmm. in New York, and that is an incredibly designed space. I mean, um, Tom Francis, who used to write for PC Gamer, um, he did a feature where he played through it multiple times and sort of to prove how many different ways you could do it. And uh, so Deus Ex is, you know, a massive 40-plus-hour game of individual levels that are just full of different ways to infiltrate to you know different systems to play with uh the character is upgradable and has these augmentation things that let you you know use interesting powers and combine yeah. them so it's just it's an incredibly rich uh game full of sort of interlinking interesting systems and i feel like i could just play Deus Ex over and over and over again and have a, a relatively different experience every time. Oh, really? Because I was going to say, is this the game you've chosen for the nostalgia purposes because it doesn't have the kind of replayability as the other games you've chosen, but it seems that you can replay it over and over again without any problem. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. None of my choices are really uh, nostalgic, I'd say. Well, maybe one of them that's yet to come. But yeah, yeah I think I, I, I pick, I mean, there is an element of nostalgia when I hear Deus Ex's music and, and see those locations I think about when I played as, you know, when I was at school and it reminds me of my formative years playing games <laughs> on PC. Yeah. Um, 
so there is a nostalgia element, but it's still, I still play it now and enjoy it. And that's, I think, why I chose it, because I feel like um, it still has a lot to offer. And it's kind of a shame that we're not seeing games as richly designed as it now. You know, all these years later, it still towers above a lot of other games. Okay, so how did you feel about Human Revolution then a few years ago in comparison to this Deus Ex? Yeah, well, I love Human Revolution as well, but I don't think it's a patch on the original in okay. terms of its um, the complexity of its levels and its systems. But I think it's still a great game, and I think it, it streamlined Deus Ex, so everything's a bit simpler, a bit more easy to get your head around. And it's sort of there's multiple ways to deal with situations and, and infiltrate levels, but they're all a lot more kind of simple and you're guided a lot more. You know, it's just it's just a more modern game because Deus Ex is very old and clunky. Yeah, and it is very of, of its time, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Human Revolution is, is a fantastic game and, and artistically one of my favorites. Um, I'm actually working on, on, on other places for it. I was uh, going to say, recently you've been posting screenshots <laughs> from uh, yeah. his apartment. <laughs> yeah, uh, why well, I'm Jensen's I just, apartment. Yeah, I... I actually just wrote a feature for PC Gamer all about his apartment um, where I, I analyze his furniture and his decor and talk about how the apartment reflects him as a character, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and I found a way to access a free camera, which I've been looking for for years. Oh, okay. So that, that's why I've, I've, it's taken me this long. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the original game is not a handsome game. It's it's what you might describe as hideous <laughs> it's very it's very and, blocky and uh yeah 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 it's very early unreal engine yeah. sort of boxy environments and sort of big pixelated sky boxes yeah. where the clouds move really fast for some reason like in all 90s games um but yeah i just think like even it speaks volumes about the quality of the the design and the care and and attention that went into the design yeah that despite looking and feeling ancient it's still brilliant well it was received incredibly well and still to this day is included on so many uh greatest games of all time greatest pc games of all time uh it was actually named best pc game of all time by pc gamer in 2011 i'm wondering was that your handiwork perchance uh that we uh that process is uh we vote everyone votes so yeah, yeah. um so yeah Quite often, it, it rates you know it ranks fairly high, and I think that's going to continue for the, the foreseeable future. I mean, even it's I think it's one of the defining games on PC, uh, and although it did appear on PS2, like you said, and I yeah. actually played it on PS2 <coughs> uh, the first time, and it was surprisingly uh, good on there as well. But um, so yeah, I think it's just it's when you think of PC gaming, you think of Deus Ex. And yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of a, a flagship game for the platform. If you know, how did how yeah. did you feel about Deus Ex Two then? Because a lot of people obviously they purposely forget about that game <clears throat> as, yeah, as a I, series. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I I played it recently for a retrospective in official Xbox magazine, and mm. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, yeah. it's kind of the way that the sort of levels are feel quite small and claustrophobic and they're really split apart by loading screens and some of the design decisions like the universal ammo system where 
by you pick up ammo and it works in a rocket launcher and a pistol for some reason because it's the future okay. um which is just a bit it just sort of simply it simplified too much um it felt smaller the story wasn't as interesting um yeah I, 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 it's a very weird game it's not absolutely terrible but compared to yeah. the original i think it's pales in comparison because the story of the first deus ex is absolutely superb it like yeah. has all these different conspiracy theory type game tropes, but does it in such an amazing capacity with uh, obviously Denton and his brother and the company he works for and everything going south and all this kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, that that's another reason I picked it. The story is is brilliant. I mean, the um the kind of the way it's constantly pulling the rug out from under you you know you'll think one thing about an organization and then you'll learn something about them that will sort of shake up your whole everything that's came before i think it's just it's a very like it's full of interesting twists and there's some good bra- branching elements as well where you can miss entire plot points by just not going to a certain place um so that's another reason i like the kind of globetrotting nature of it where you go to hong kong and new york and paris and yeah yeah that that's a, i think i'm glad that it was continued in the Idos Montreal games, like the new one, yeah. uh, kind of divided. It's got the same thing that you're traveling between different cities. It's a that's just part of the, the Deus Ex flavor, I think. And yeah, I think when you get to Hong Kong in the original, that's one of my favorite bits in the game because there's just so many uh, characters to talk to and so many yeah. sort of quests and optional things hidden around that massive map. Like, and the music's fantastic, and yeah. you get a sword at one point. I mean, that's that bit's pretty pretty, <laughs> pretty great. So. In comparison, then, forgetting about the game, who do you prefer, Denton or Jensen? Uh, that's a hard one. I think J- Jensen's more of a character. He's got more, he's fleshed out more, and he's, you know, he's more of a person, whereas JC, yeah. by virtue of what he is, a sort of um, created thing, is very sullen and one note. I think the voice actor for JC is brilliant. I, I could listen to him reading that dialogue you know for hours but yeah yeah that's a non-committal answer i'll go jc just because he's in he's in the better game okay <laughs> no problem okay well we're gonna move on from deus ex now to another pc game uh, that is also science fiction but a very 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 different game so let's listen to some music Okay, Andy, so the next game on your list is kind of a game I wouldn't usually allow because it requires an internet connection. Ah. But 
you're in space. So <laughs> let's pretend there's this hypothetical situation where you're able to hack into satellites that allow you to only access an online connection for this specific game. You're not able to contact anyone through chat in the game to come save you or anything like that. Yeah. You're just able to interact them on a game level. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. So this game is EVE Online, the uh, huge persistent world science fiction MMO that's set in space that is almost completely player driven. It was developed and published by CCP Games and it was originally released all the way back in May of 2003. Uh, players are able to pilot customizable ships through a galaxy of over, I think it's about 7,000 star systems that are all connected. It's reached over 500,000 subscribers and is quite the huge game that it is today and many of you who are listening might no Eve if you haven't played it because of the stories that have been written about the amazing player base. Uh, it's one of the only games that allows griefing to be a kind of a big part of the game where you're able to blow up other people's ships and steal their stuff. And it has this incredible in-game economy that has been written about many a time. So, Andy, please tell me why you've picked Eve. Um, yeah, well, Eve Online's my favorite game that I don't have time to play. Um, it's a massive time investment. Yeah. Um, you can you can play it and you know uh, for a few hours each night, but you'll never get to <clears throat> kind of the level where you're playing it to its full potential. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of I like the idea that it is one of the most kind of diverse and rich online games, and that there are no real defined rules for you. Whereas if you play WoW, you are defined by your class. Yeah. Um, and of most MMOs actually, whereas Eve Online, you're defined by your actions. Um, you choose what you want to, how you want to spend your time in this universe, and everything is player controlled. You know, even like the items and stores, yeah. you know, are on the marketplace are were created or crafted or mined by other players. And I like the mm-hmm. idea that it is completely player driven. It's the mo- probably the most player driven game. You know, there is. I was going to say, I think it's one of the only games where it is actually another world that is not really held back by the limitations of its game play. It's this world that is completely accessible by the player to be controlled by them and not the company who runs the game. Yeah, and obviously CCP are the you know the 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 deities. Yeah, con- you know, pulling the strings of that of that universe, New Eden. Um, but yeah, they really are. They they take a step back and they just let players, you know, dictate how things go, yeah. um, and that you know that can extend from politics, yeah, uh, to corporations. You know, because it really <clears> is <throat> one of those. It really is one of the only games where you can you can choose to give your allegiance to a huge, massive entity of a political party or an army, or you can go rogue and try and build yourself up as this a space pirate or lord in space it's quite incredible the the stuff you can do yeah i mean there's there's people who if you look at the um most wanted list in game there are people up there who are basically like boba fett they are like literally bounty hunters <laughs> feared and respected bounty hunters yeah who've made a name for themselves by basically hunting people down for corporations and as a result getting prices put in their head you know for okay so I love the idea that you can become like, you know, you can become like the best pilot or you be- can become a fearsome bounty hunter. You, be- you can become a, a kind of <clears throat> a, res- a spy who people genuinely fear 
you know, to to speak the name of. Yeah. And and I just love that that has all been created by players. I mean, it's quite amazing. It's a, yeah. I I don't know how they how they did it and how why it continues to be so powerful yet not that popular. I mean, it's popular. It's a big game, but no one near the numbers th- of. Yeah, it's of, it's like, strange actually, because I feel like recently, I, I would say recently, I mean in the past five years, Eva's just grown and grown. Although, unfortunately, what we saw recently of Dust, which was like the add-on to Eve that allowed you to play like this first-person shooter, it's unfortunately closing down, but it felt like Eve was just expanding more and more and more and getting bigger. Yeah, I think the, the actual the MMO is constantly growing and extra layers of complexity are being added to it constantly. Um so I think that will just keep growing, and and they're trying to improve the sort of new player experience as well. Mm. Um, I went to FanFest in Iceland, which is this fan convention. Yeah. Run, yeah, run by CCP. I went yeah. to Iceland and spoke to all the main people who make Eve. Um, yeah. And they were, uh, a common theme when I spoke to them was that they want to make the new player experience more uh, easy, because when you load up Eve online, there's a tutorial, but it's such a a dense interface that you kind of get bewildered and flustered mm. by it. And, and it genuinely took me 27 hours to do all the tutorials, oh. which sounds absurd. And, you know, I, that happened over the course of, you know, weeks and weeks. I did. Yeah. This is optional. I should say, you don't have to do all these advanced tutorials, but you should just, you to really learn. should. Uh, yeah. Just I... to learn all the ins and outs of commerce and yeah. combat and mining and everything like that. Yeah. And also you get given lots of useful starter items by doing that. So it's worth it to sort of, send you on your way into into space yeah my experience with eve consisted of a one month free trial i think it was in 2012 when they bought in the ability to go uh third person and walk around your ship and, oh yeah and that had just been released and i wanted to try it out and i rem- i remember how fascinating it was and you saw things happening but everything happens in real time so if there's something you want to do if you want to train or learn something it takes Oh, yeah. nigh on forever to actually learn it and you have to like close the game down wait for your characters to up the skills yeah. and that kind of thing it's definitely a patient game and i remember finally going through all the tutorial bits being taught all these things getting all these skills processed and then as soon as i was kind of let out into space i got blown up <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's that's the thing about eve it's really quite merciless and oh it's brutal <clears throat> there's there's sort of every system has a security rating and you know above a certain number you're safe you know the, yeah. the space cops who are called concord will come and rescue you and as as the security number lowers the response time for concord gets longer and longer until you get to null sec oh, where there is it's no zero it's like yeah, the there's dead no zone. cops there it is, it's like it's like the wild west i mean you go out there and you're gonna get you know that, that, that's the thing, the, the, the draw is null sec because out there is where the game is happening. Yeah. Where the real meat of the game is happening and where the best stuff is. Um, whereas in the safety, the high, secu- high sec, you're sort of in the starting area for players. Um, so the, it isn't, the allure of heading out into null sec is hard to resist. And I've, as soon as I went out to null sec, um, a group of pirates started messaging me and taunting me and then they blew me up and then they pod killed me <laughs> pod killing is like the the worst crime in eve because your ship gets destroyed and you're you the yeah. pilot is left floating in a little pod yeah. and you can fly back you know to safety 
but people will pod kill you, which is just like, yeah, you, you're dead and you have to get a new clone back we're, at your, uh, your we're home gonna, base. We're, we're going to double kill you. Yeah. Double so, tap. But I kind of like that. I mean, I, I, I rarely feel genuine fear in a game, but when I, me and my friend Owen went out to NullSec for the first time, uh, we were absolutely you know crapping ourselves and <laughs> shitting sort of, ourselves yeah in space. and it was yeah because it was like you know it was genuinely scary and um i remember we, we went mining once in, in low sec not null sec yeah um and i was mining with a friend and owen was in a sort of powerful ship floating around ready to protect us yeah and of, and of course some gankers came who are people who come in and just kill miners yeah and steal all their ore so they don't have to mine it themselves and um yeah owen just flew away <laughs> he <terrifying>. left you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, don't think he, I think he might have gotten like a shot off, and then they fired one like tiny missile at him or whatever, and it totally depleted his hull. So and he was I like, he, "Fuck he, this, I'm out." <laughs> yeah, and so we were there, left floating there in our little mining ships, and I managed to hyper jump away. Yeah, thankfully, but it, but that, that that little moment was completely a product of players. You know, it was us mining. It was these players out looking to attack miners. Yeah, this incredibly exciting little set piece. Uh, unforgettable little m- moment was just created by players and I, I think that's incredibly powerful and i think that's the, f- the future of online games yeah how do you feel about the gameplay then because eve is often criticized for its almost lack of gameplay sometimes it's very much clicking on things to make things processes to start uh clicking on coordinates to hyper jump you don't actually control the ship in like a dogfighting kind of way it's more strategic and that kind of how do you feel about the gameplay yeah, that I mean, compared to something like Elite Dangerous, which yeah. is really, you're there, it's, it's tactile, you're yeah. sitting in your ship and you feel like you're actually flying around. Yeah, Eve is a lot more distant and passive a lot of the time. Yeah. But I mean, that that's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, I don't really mind it that much. I kind of like that. It's quite, it has quite a slow pace to it. It's quite a measured game. You, you don't play it for, you know, in, uh, instant excitement you know you click on a lot of things and watch things happen very slowly so it's kind of that's the reason i chose it for this because like i said it's my favorite game i don't have time to play i'd be playing eve constantly if i could commit to it but with so many bloody projects i'm starting all the time (laughs) and stuff i just don't have time to yeah enter but I, i was pretty heavily into it for a while um and me and my friend were checking a sort of um uh uh ability upgrades and stuff is on it, our phones and yeah. in real life and in, in the pub which was when it got to <laughs> my well, obsession when it got too strong i think yeah um is there a big pc gamer uh eve community uh there's a there, there's a corporation but we i mean pc gamers community used to be a really big thing we used to have all these uh we used to be in constant contact with guilds and stuff that sort of were under our name but we just don't have the staff anymore or time oh, so okay. it's kind of it's kind of become less of an important part of the mag, but there is yeah. a PC game corporation who I was in touch with uh, for a while back when we had more time to do this sort of thing. And, and they were, yeah, they're like, you know, they're a proper big corporation with, you know, leaders and a hierarchy and, you know, money in the bank and stuff. So it's, it's cool that they're out there using our name, but I just wish I had more time to hang out with them in can, space. Can jump on and quickly be like, hey, hey, give, give me some stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm Andy Kelly, you know. <laughs> This 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 corporation is te- technically mine. Techni- technically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So, are you are you? Do you go on it regularly? Do you have a cons- uh, constant subscription, or is it just something you jump 
back on back yeah. and well, forth I've, between when i went to FanFest in, in iceland i was lucky enough to get given a like a an account that never expires kind oh of things. nice yeah so i don't have to pay for a subscription um which gives me the luxury of diving in and out but I've, i haven't put it for a while actually and as i'm saying this i'm installing it on steam <laughs> now <I> wanna... <laughs> did you just click it now <laughs> Yeah, because I want to go back in and see what ha- <laughs> what's happening. So yeah, um, so yeah, I don't, I've not put it for a while. It seems to come in bursts of like a few months where I'll just go mad for it and then yeah. not play it for months and then go back to it. But yeah, I, now I can I can feel myself being drawn back into the into I, the. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <It's your fault. laughs> Do you reckon you could make another places uh, video about Nullsec? Yeah, well, I I, I doubt I'd you know last very long yeah they'd see me floating around yeah i, I did my, one of my favorite other places actually is eve online i did yeah. um and ccp actually asked me for a copy of it and they play it at, um they want to like play it in uh, in the background of like meetings and stuff like that. oh cool. fantastic that's yeah. very cool so I, yeah i would actually quite like to go back and do another one maybe i will but yeah i think if i tried it in null sec I'd, I'd get blown up i mean I've, I've tried doing other places in um uh, multiplayer games before i did a star yeah. wars Battlefront, Battlefront yeah. Oh, that's the uh, that. yeah. <laughs> I really like your Star Wars Battlefront. Other places, is, that game is very, very visually stunning. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. But yeah, yeah. I, the amount of times I got shot when I was just getting the perfect shot lined up, and it was like some idiot just <laughs> <laughs> runs. Oh, up my and... patience would have worn so thin by then. Yeah, it, it took a lot longer <laughs> than the others for that reason. But yeah, fantastic. Um, so yeah, Eve Online, I think is is you can live another life. A lot of MMOs claim that, but this yeah. one you legitimately can live another life you are a space cowboy think, yeah you can be a, you know you can, there's even people that just uh work as like removal men in space so if you want to move your um all your all the stuff you own is in your you know whichever spaceport you've chosen as your home yeah but if you want to move to null sec you know if you don't have a big enough ship you have to cart all your stuff back and forth which can be dangerous and time consuming so you can hire people with big cargo <laughs> ships to take all your stuff like in a removal van and then move it across space and they're like really experienced players as well so they know how to avoid danger and stuff so like i like oh, the idea wow. of that like just going out I, I could be and there's people who play it they don't even leave they don't even undock the ship all they do is work the markets yeah um you know work the space stock exchange and make tons of money um which is just that's just crazy so if i'm i'm isolated somewhere for a long time You'll be um, able to spend some time playing it. Yeah, I'll have no life in real life, but I can vicariously. But lead you'd a, be on a real spaceship in space anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, with no power though, or uh, <laughs> yeah, or anyone. Yeah. Okay. Sort of um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's the reasoning behind that. Yeah. So just be <laughs> just before we move on from Eve to your next game, um, have you played Eve Valkyrie? What What are your thoughts on Eve Valkyrie? Yeah, I I played quite a lot of actually. I um. I played a lot at events, including in Iceland, but now I have, we've got um, access to an alpha, so I'm actually playing it in the office uh, occasionally. Um, I've got an Oculus Rift on my desk that's oh. become mine, basically, <laughs> because no one <laughs> cares about VR. Spray <clears throat> so, painted yeah, um, Andy Kelly on the side of it. Yeah, it's mine. No one's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Eve Valkyrie's amazing. I mean, it's it's really simple. It's just a space dogfight thing with really yeah. simple controls, but that's the idea. It's just a it's the kind of game you, if you want to show off your VR headset to someone yeah. who's never played a, you know, a game. Does it in connect? Years. Does it connect with your Eve account for your ships, or is it like yeah. this entirely separate thing? 
Yeah, it's totally different. It's completely separate. There's no ties to EVE Online at all. It's just Ah. set in the same universe with the same uh, ship designs and stuff like Ah, that. Ah, okay, okay. I I originally thought it was like this add-on to EVE where you could have these like arena battles in your ship. No, and it is a multiplayer game. I mean, you, you're playing... It's quite amazing to be flying around and knowing that all the other ships are yeah. people set with VR headsets on. It's quite a cool shared experience. But yeah, there's no ties to EVE Online. It's a sort of standalone thing. Uh, okay. Okay, well, we're going to move on from uh, EVE Online now to another strange choice. Um, I don't know. One of those things where I don't know whether it's a game or not. <laughs> so let's try and listen to some music from the next game. Okay, Andy, so the next quote-unquote game you've chosen is Music 2000 for the PlayStation, (laughs) uh, also known as MTV Music Generation in North America. It was originally released in 1999, developed by Jester Interactive and published by the wonderful Codemasters. Um, Part of the music series of software that was created for the PlayStation that allowed users to create their own music using various tools, and uh, Music 2000 allowed players to rip music samples straight from CDs of their own. Why 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 music 2000 Andy? Yeah. Well, music 2000 is basically a DAW okay. program. Um so think of like Ableton Live mm-hmm. or Fruity Loops or whatever or whatever it's called now, yeah. FL Studio. Um it's just a, a music sequencing program um but with a interface that works on a PlayStation pad. And I, I was obsessed with this on the original PlayStation back in the yeah, like like you said 1999. Yeah. Um and it's like a it's amazing that that someone got one of those programs running on a PlayStation, which has very meager, you know, specs, and also let you pull off samples from music CDs and like import them into your tracks. But that was a quite a clumsy and frustrating process. So I mostly just used the sort of pre-canned, had a massive suite of yeah. synthesizers, drums, and stuff like that. So you can, you know, you can just make music. You know, you can sequence drums and you can uh, create drum loops and do like synthesizer pads and you know you can you just make you know very passable music i mean if you look on um youtube there's people making like really good like jungle music and recreating um dance music and stuff like with these tools and yeah so i spent a lot of time using that i've always been into making music on computers and not any good at it but i just really enjoy it and um this was what got me into that and um yeah, it's just a, an amazing thing. And it was kind of a tactical choice because, um, you know, on this isolated place, if there's no music, I can just make my own. I was going to say, are you going <laughs> to make your own album that you can play 
in the background <clears throat> of the ship while you're walking around. Yeah, that's that's the idea. I mean, because it's quite flexible. I mean, you can make like you know, mo- mo- it's all electronic music. You can't like make a rock song or whatever, but no. you can sort of do ambient stuff or like really intense drum and bass. Or, yeah, so like it's it's these types of programs and this game I can just sit mess around with for infinity i can just sit for hours and hours and hours playing with these tools so yeah that that's the reasoning behind that i know it's quite a left field choice but yeah and it, it there's a lot of it was rumors that um dizzy rascal you know um did sort of demos for uh his album boy in the corner with it and stuff like that so like no i had way. a bit of a following in the music yeah. scene i don't know how much drift there is to that but i always liked that um that rumor and i i bet some like electronic producers got that their was, start it, yeah, I reckon they played that, and maybe that's what what got them into it. But yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a weird one, but it is like a just a really you know it's something that will keep like like Tetris. I could play with it forever. So, have you tried to go back and make any music on it now, or is there tracks you made all the way back in nineteen ninety nine that you still have preloaded yeah. on your PlayStation? Yeah, no, there the, the was a memory card that I had back in the day where me and my friend would sit and make really appalling techno music. So <laughs> I don't know what that memory card is. I think I sold that PlayStation at, <clears throat> at a carpet sale or something. So okay. it might be out there somewhere, that lost album of, of dodgy techno music. But yeah, I, have, I haven't played Music 2000 recently, but I was um, when I was coming up with this list, I, I popped into my head and I watched some videos um, on YouTube and just remembered how how amazingly powerful it was, you know, especially for running on a PlayStation. Because I never had a PC at the time. Yeah, I had a PlayStation. So, um, yeah. So that's that was kind of a taste of of uh, obsession that would develop on a PC software. Yeah. So, do you make a lot of music now yourself? Uh, I haven't recently, but yeah, I went through a phase of about two years of just constantly making stuff in Ableton Live. Uh, again, I just taught myself Ableton. I fancied learning a new program. Yeah. And, You're a man um, of many projects, that's for sure. Yeah, I just I like to teach myself software. It's something I've always enjoyed. I taught myself Photoshop when I was at school, and it's continued. But yeah, I, I don't I don't make them make it that much because yeah, like I said, I I don't have that much talent. But it's just a really enjoyable way. It's a, it's a really good hobby. I mean, uh, I recommend downloading like a trial of something like FL Studio and just you know jamming some drums yeah. together and having a bit of fun with it. So. Yeah. So can we see in the future some other places videos soundtracked by the wonderful Andy Kelly Music 2000 remix album? I like the idea of this. I wonder if I could emulate Music 2000 on um <clears throat> on my PC and make some yeah, make some janky drum and bass music for my next uh, <laughs> my next other places. Yeah. Oh man, the ideas that are coming out of this podcast are fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're going to move on from Music 2000 now. I think Music 2000 is pretty self-explanatory um, and uh, pretty good choice. If Throughout all these games that you've chosen, you've really chosen games that you can play consistently for a long time. Yeah, so I, I, these are all tactical that. choices. Yeah, these yeah. are all, instead of just a bunch of games I like or are nostalgic about, I thought, I'd, I thought about what games you know I'd want to play for the rest of time <laughs> is there a few games that nearly made the list that you really you really wanted to choose because of nostalgia purposes um yeah not not terribly i'm not i'm not much of a nostalgic person generally i mean um i mean stuff like resident evil 4 uh, is one of my favorite games so i would have yeah. i would have liked to have that on there but i don't know if i could play that forever you know as much as i love it and i think um when i was I, 
when I was younger, I actually I remember that was one of the games that I completed over and over. And I had a I had a file on my GameCube, and I had about seventeen run-throughs of that game. Yeah, it's very yeah, hard here. for me to go through that game now because the amount I had completed it when I was younger. Yeah, I think I've burned myself out on it. Mm. Um, whereas I know I know every thing that's going to happen. Whereas these games, there's an element of actually I think all the games I've picked apart from one maybe there's an element of uh randomness or yeah. of unpredictability to them which i think is appeals to me for, for game you know to hold, hold my attention yeah okay well we're gonna move on to your next game now which is uh i think it's the most recent game on the entire list um so let's listen to some music Okay, Andy, so the penultimate game that you've chosen on your list is 80 Days for PC. Yeah. Uh, originally an interactive fiction game uh, by Inkle for iOS. It was released in July of 2014. And it's a game that loosely follows the plot of Around the World in 80 Days, the novel by Jules Verne. Um, it's it's one of the highest rated games on the iOS store. And uh, it's praised a lot because of its branching narrative. Um, actually received uh, Times... Time Magazine's Game of the Year in 2014. So, Andy, please tell me why you chose 80 Days. Yeah, well, I think 80 Days is legitimately one of the best games ever made. Like, it's in my top 10, maybe top 5. Really? Um, yeah, which is quite curious considering it is a text adventure in some yeah. respects. But um, it, this is sort of testament to the quality of the writing, which to me is beyond any... I can't think of any game that comes close to the quality of the writing in, in 80 Days. And I think that's testament to the strength of that, that because it's it's all presented in very simplistic 2D visuals, you still, by the end of uh, a trip around the world, you feel like you've gone on a, a, an amazing journey. You know, it's like a sort of literary power to it where you, you don't have to see anything to feel like you've gone on an amazing, mm. you know, voyage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the branching thing, I mean, it's, it, there are so many ways to, I mean, your goal is to get, around the world in 80 days you don't have to but obviously the challenge is to you can do it in like 200 days but then you when you come back phileas fogg will be shamed <laughs> <laughs> he for, will lose his not... bet because he's, yeah. he's bet like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something um yeah to his cronies back at his um his, his gentleman's club he hangs out in. um so yeah you play you don't play as phileas fogg you play no. as passepartout who is his um assistant yeah sort of um, humble frenchman and uh 
you basically fog just sets and reads this paper while you fuss around and, and make the trip happen. So secretly it's fog gets all the glory for it, but really it's Passepartout who is the one doing this amazing thing. Um, but there are so many way, so many routes and every route contains a beautifully written story that has elements of interactivity. So you can decide how the story goes. Um, and every one of them, they're so vividly written and, and it's a kind of, it's, it's like a Victorian snapshot of the world, but with a kind of steampunky, slightly technologically advanced edge to it. So it's fi- it's semi-fictional. Um, and it, there are just so many mad things you see on the journey that every trip around is presents some either amazing, you know, fascinating thing or like an emotional moment or, um, you know, you'll get into various calamities like, breaking down midway through a desert and you know the all the drama that emerges from that so like yeah it's just like i've i've played it so many times and i just there's still stuff i haven't seen people say oh did you go to here and see this and i'm like i don't even know that was in there so yeah yeah. um because i remember inkle claims that even if you played through it i don't know multiple times you would only see maybe 10 percent of all the text that's actually in the game yeah even now after playing it for you know maybe 30 hours or something across pc and, and ios um, I'm still finding new things, and it, it, it's just—it's just like a re- you know—it's like a really good book. Um, it's funny it's you say so- that. I can't remember who, what newspaper it was. There was a newspaper in the UK that actually listed it as the best novel of yeah. the year that year, uh, even though it's a game. <laughs> it was—it's actually that good. Yeah, I mean, it—it it really is. The, I mean, the, the writing is really remarkable, and. Um, I hadn't played it much on iOS and then I was given it to review for PC Gamer and I re- really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, there's a quality to the, the prose and it's really, yeah. it's really poetic and it's really beautiful. And uh, there are moments that are genuinely quite, you know, heart wrenching and yeah, it's just, it, it's it, the journey as well as being a physical one is, is, Passport who goes on a bit of a journey as well, and you know he starts off as this kind of humble servant, man servant, and by yeah. the end of it, he's a literally a man of the world, and all the experiences he's had shape him in interesting ways. So, yeah. Have you just... have you read the original uh, Around the World in Eighty Days novel? No, I haven't actually. I, I was going to really say it'd be good to compare that, that to how good Eighty Days is in terms of writing and yeah. Which one would be the more preferable to actually play through or read? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't actually know anything about the um, the original book. I do know that there was a film with Steve Coogan. Yeah, I was going to say the Steve Coogan <laughs> film that came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how good that would have been. I, I'm guessing Eighty Days is probably better than the Steve Coogan film, but <laughs> I can I can probably imagine in terms of writing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's the most recent game, but I think it. A game has never so rapidly leapt from my first time playing it to my all-time favorite list. Uh, it, it barged its way in there quite quickly, and yeah, it's quite a, an amazing thing. And I think it's also anyone who doesn't play games that set of a lot of games, but I think this particularly anyone who's got this on their phone who doesn't play games will have an amazing time with it. Yeah, it's very very simple to control and do things. It's more of the experience than anything else really yeah it doesn't really require too much skill to play no but there is there are some elements of um managing your funds yeah you have yeah as yeah yeah. you have to manage your finances and like phileas fogg's health and all these (laughs) these different things 
But that's only if you want to do it in 80 days. You know, people, even if they're just borrowing money from the bank constantly, they'll still get around the world and they'll still have an amazing time. But I like that there's that extra layer there for people who are more into the game side of it who want to get there in as, you know, as few days as possible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to move on from 80 days to uh, what I imagine some people would think in terms of people making game lists as a predictable game. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to move on to your final game. And it's a bit different to all the other games you've chosen in this list. It's a bit more of a traditional game. <laughs> so let's listen to some music. Okay, Andy, so your final game for your deserted spaceship in space with no aliens on it in your cabinet <laughs> of very intriguing games and pieces of interactive entertainment. The final game on your list is Final Fantasy VII, the Square developed and published uh, RPG that was created and produced by Hironobu Sakaguchi. It featured... Uh, the character design of character uh, Kingdom Hearts director Tetsuya Nomura is originally released in 1997 for the PlayStation 1, and since then has received multiple re-releases on various platforms and most recently came to the PS4. Worldwide, to date, it's sold over 11 million copies, and it follows the story of Cloud Strife and his companions as they work to stop Sephiroth. Everyone knows the story. Andy, why Final Fantasy VII? Yeah. Well, this is my only real concession to nostalgia. I mean, this is... As soon as I hear Yumatsu's music for this, it's transporting you know, back to my earliest memories of really being into games. Yeah. Um, but also, I replayed it recently um, on uh, PSP. Okay. And it's it's still a really good game. And I think people, it's become kind of fashionable now to say, oh, well, it wasn't that good. But it was that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because Final Fantasy is one of those games that everyone for so long was like, this is the best game ever. This is the best Final Fantasy. It's the best RPG. And now, especially with the re-release on PC, the re-release on PS4, and the PlayStation 3, and now the HD remaster, it's very much like, oh, you know, Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, that's, wasn't yeah, that good? That, I don't know. That's because of oversaturation. Square Enix are going mental with people's nostalgia and and you know making people because there's, there's a thing like you get with nostalgia over saturation where you begin to hate the things you love 
when you see it with um, Back to the Future recently. I used to love Back to the Future. Yeah. But that recent um, Back to the Future Day stuff where it was just constantly everywhere. I, I felt so bombarded with nostalgia for that thing. I, I started to hate it. And I think p- people get that with Final Fantasy VII where it's so... People are constantly talking about it. Square Enix are constantly teasing remakes and spinoffs and stuff that people just get exhausted and start to to resent it. But through all that, I've remained steadfast in my my love for Final Fantasy VII. I think it's um, just a, a an amazing sort of journey of emotions, and you, you visit amazing places. The story's uh, ludicrous but fantastic. The characters are all really richly painted. <clears throat> the music is just sublime um there's nothing i don't like about it and and i was surprised that when i replayed it uh, a couple of years ago or a year ago that it was uh still fun to play the materia magic system is still really fun and affords a surprising amount of creativity with combining stuff and um yeah it's just it's just bloody good <laughs> <laughs> is it your favorite final fantasy uh well i i, I my it's a toss up between that and eight i've got a really soft spot for eight which i know a lot of people hate um which sounds like me just being contrary but i think i really enjoyed eight i thought there's some really good ideas in that and i really loved the tone of it and the the world and the atmosphere and stuff but but yeah i think it's a toss up between seven and eight for me but yeah i think the one i'd want to play uh again and again is and have is seven and that's a mixture of nostalgia and it just being good what is your favorite part of Final Fantasy VII? Because for anyone who hasn't played Final Fantasy VII, which I can't imagine really anyone these days who hasn't, it's a game that takes so many different ideas and has so many different story sequences that all vary and they have all their own... <clears throat> it was one of those games that really had different side stories and you could do different things that change different outputs and that kind of thing. What's your favorite part of that game? Well, despite all the amazing places you visit later on i think my favorite section is still early on when you are uh in midgar and yeah. you've yet to leave and, and you're just exploring like the wall market slums and uh, i just think it's really uh really well realized i mean you get the the sense of you know the kind of terrible conditions people are living in there and uh, the whole sequence in wall market where you're trying to dress up as a lady to <laughs> infiltrate Don Corneo's mansion. It's just, a, yeah. it's just brilliant. It's just funny. And there's different ways to, to do it and approach it. Uh, the environment, you know, that location is just really fun to explore and it's full of odd little moments with bizarre NPCs and stuff. So I love that whole sequence where you're in Midgar just after you bomb the first Mako reactor and you're sort of just, you know, seeing what life is like under the, giant pizza or whatever barrett calls it um yeah that that's my favorite part and the music there as well is really good and i think i look back on that section as 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 the highlight for me despite all the mad stuff that happens later <laughs> so final fantasy 7 is one of the only final fantasies to really receive spin-offs uh you've got um like the film advent children you have Ugh. uh dirge cerberus the uh ps2 game that features uh why am i forgetting his name now vincent Vincent, um, yeah. yeah, it's like a third-person action game for the PS2, and Awful. you have the <laughs> very, in my personal opinion, very good PSP game, uh, Crisis Core. Um, do you like any of the spin-offs, like the film <laughs> or the PS2 game or the PSP game? Because I actually really do like Crisis Core. Yeah, well, I only played a little bit of Crisis Core, but people 
uh, whose opinions I generally agree with said it was great. So I'll that's that I'll let I'll let I'll let that be. Oh, but I, I think Advent. <laughs> yeah, I think Advent Children is just awful. Um, is there no terrible, redeeming yeah. quality to it? The graphics I mean, the, the, or yeah, anything? I mean, visually, yeah. I mean, like, it looks fantastic. It's some really yeah. good Square Enix CG, but I think just a, uh, unnecessarily continuing that story it didn't have to be continued the ending was so was so neat for you know it just I, I like how the game ended i didn't think yeah. the story had to continue Did... and dirge cerberus awful 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 game i had to review that for psm to a japanese import back in the day and it, <laughs> what a god awful game that was a horrible <laughs> horrible game just had none of the charm or, or uh sort of appeal of the original and uh, I remember... focused on a character really weird character who no one likes Vincent, really. I remember being in college when that game came out, and I remember seeing it and seeing videos of it on the most broken GameSpot media player I possibly could, and <laughs> being like, "Oh my god, that looks awesome! Like that looks so good!" And I saved so much money from whatever job I had at the time while I was in college to try and get it. Bought it, absolutely hated it. It's yeah. so bad. I remember it being really uh, like tons of invisible walls everywhere. Like you yeah. sort of hemmed into these tiny areas to fight um to fight soldiers and and with quite a boring combat system yeah so nothing that's that's come out of final fantasy 7 i've personally cared about and um, a lot of these re-releases recently have sort of messed up the um messed up the music i don't know if you're aware of this no i'm not no i didn't um, know this so the the playstation sound chip you know uh for the original playstation now yeah and that's so the version i picked for is the original playstation yeah. one because it interprets the music in a certain way where it sounds a certain way and that's the sound of final fantasy 7 but the recent re-releases on pc and i think ios have sort of they read the data in a different way and the music comes out sounding wrong really like yeah like it's really it's not right it's like a, hearing like a sort of terrible cover version of a song you really love you know oh, um, no. I, th- I know that some modders have actually modded in the old music but yeah so that's why it's the original PlayStation version. It's got to be for me to yeah. take away because it just it's, it sounds right. It's the, <laughs> and I don't, I don't even mind having to swap discs because I, yeah. I, I kind of like the disc break as well. Like after you know the bad thing happens at the end of disc one yeah. or disc two, and then you get that moment where the the music's all sad, and then the please switch over disc screen comes <laughs> yeah. up. Just, that's a moment to ponder what's just happened. Yeah. You know as you're replacing the, the disc in the tray you're sort of thinking about yeah because the most uh, recent the... uh playstation 4 version had uh like a whole host of like customizable options to it that you could have like cheats for the game and you could change yeah how the random uh battles and random encounters work a bit more like bravely default where you could kind of control them a little bit yeah. um but obviously i didn't know about the uh music being slightly yeah what well, i saw someone wrote an op-ed recently saying how the ability to disable random battles makes Final Fantasy VII better, but that's not how it was designed. Like, I'm yeah. very much of preserving the original vision. You know, that's why I don't like to use um, graphics mods on other places because I want to present it as, as intended. It was. Yeah, yeah, by the so, creator. So Final Fantasy VII was, was designed around random encounters. You know, that's how the mm. leveling system was paced so that you know yeah. they know that you'll be a certain level by the time you get to a certain Well, there's no way you could have... get through the game without grinding your way through it at yeah multiple stages yeah there's there's a certain bit in final fantasy 7 just before the demon wall boss and the uh pyramid of the ancients where i have to do like an hour of grinding yeah. <laughs> every time i play it because that's the only way to make that 
uh, boss fight bearable. But yeah, that's that's just that's just part of it. That's that's what the developers wanted, and so I respect the wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all a good setup to ask um, what what did you think of the at first the announcement of the remaster, and then most recently the footage where it was a bit more Final Fantasy fifteen combat style and that kind of thing. What are, yeah. what are your thoughts on the remaster that's coming? I uh, I don't really have any that much. I, I thought I'd have a stronger opinion about it, but I just I'm gonna just block block it out. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know that it exists because okay. it's just it, it might you know it might be good. They might do a good job of it, but I think in making it all streamlined and and modern, it's gonna lose a bit of the oddball charm of the original yeah which is full of bizarre translation mistakes that and uh weird little set pieces and i mean i, I just can't see a super realistic cloud strife trying to out squat a wrestler to win a blonde wig <laughs> in, in the remake like i think they're going to take all that weird stuff out because yeah. it just look weird to have it rendered in dizzying you know hd modern visuals Maybe they will still have that stuff, yeah. but it just it just wouldn't work tonally. Like there's something about the super deformed character models in the original that lend themselves to that kind of daft sense of humor. So, uh, yeah. So even I, further, I'm, so on top of that, the fact that it's also going to be episodic. Yeah, I, I don't episodic. Yeah, I had a rant recently in PC Gamer about episodic stuff. I I just miss when games were just finished. Like I, I for my job, I play a lot of early access, half yeah. finished alpha stuff and i'm just <clears throat> i'm just quite i've had enough of it i just want finished games that i know yeah. when i get at the end is that i can just play the whole thing you, you know? wrote you wrote a, a piece i remember i think it was a few months ago where it was about things you wish were different i can't remember what it was exactly called it was like a list of that? things you wish were different like i wish um dlc wasn't so much in your face or microtransactions wasn't Oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. That was a while ago. Yeah, was that yeah. was that the I've had enough of? Yeah, that 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 was the article. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was that was just like a, yeah, I, the list feature come to its natural conclusion where I just listed a lot of things I hated <laughs> just to get it off my chest in angry yeah. italics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. I think I wrote it in a haze of fury about something. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like it was uh, inspired by something you must have recently played that had yeah. all of those things in one one game yeah i get quite uh, you know emotional about games that's just because i love them so much that when they they annoy me it's amplified (laughs) (laughs) so will you play the remaster or are you happy that you're going to be stuck on a space station and it doesn't exist to you because yeah i'm happy just to uh, ignore stuff i stuff i like being brought back from the dead is bothers me like you know i'm very worried about twin peaks it's my favorite tv show and i loved it dearly i mean even though david lynch is involved there's just a little bit of me gone just don't don't ruin it (laughs) so (laughs) it's a similar a similar feel to to final fantasy 7 i think i'll just unless i have to review it i might just avoid it can you request not to be anywhere near it or anywhere near the person who's reviewing it (laughs) yeah i could do but maybe there's a secret bit uh 
secretly thinking maybe I would like to review it and give it a maybe give it give it a kicking. <laughs> this is bad. This is a really good game, but on purpose and principle, <laughs> it's a fucking five out of ten. <laughs> Obviously, I'd never do that. I'm a professional, but, yeah. <laughs> Today, Andy Kelly compromised his integrity. <laughs> well, Andy. I want to thank you so much for appearing on this podcast. You very much are someone who I look to for positive outlooks in video games and someone I know who loves video games very passionately, which is something I do too. And I feel like other places uh, and final games, they're almost extensions of each other where people talk positively about video games and why you're inspired by them and that kind of thing. So it was awesome to speak to you today. Cool. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. No problem. So the last question I usually ask um, my guests in there hypothetical deserted place is if you could have one system or one console what would it be um in in this instance you do get the whole back catalog of that console so what would you choose what would be the the choice you would have if you could consider all the games for one console what would you choose oh that's a hard one playstation 2 playstation 2 that's a good choice yeah, that had a. I mean, the back catalogue of PlayStation Two is just absolutely heaving with mm-hmm. amazing all-time best games. So yeah, fantastic. So the PS Two, it's yours, and your cabinet in space on your ship that definitely does <laughs> not have aliens in it. <laughs> we'll double check before we send you there. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> we might leave them there just because you're going to ruin Final Fantasy Remaster for us. <laughs> so, Andy, thank you so much for coming on today. It was absolutely superb to talk with you. Is there anything you would like people to know about or where people can find your work and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, so if you want to check out other places, my uh, video series, uh, otherplaces.co.uk is where to go. Fantastic. What about your PC gamer stuff? Yeah, um, uh, obviously buy PC Gamer magazine because it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm sure it's one of the best video game magazines you can buy yeah. and, in the UK and, and the US. Yeah, and we have a website as well, pcgamer.com, where my writing appears with uh, regularity. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for listening to this, the fifth episode of Final Games. You can find the show at soundcloud.com forward slash Final Games Podcast, as well as on iTunes. You can just search for Final Games and you can subscribe. You can also leave a review, which really helps out the show. Uh, you can give it anything you want, even if you hate it. You can give it a review. That would be really good. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Final Games Podcast. And you can email us at finalgamespodcast at gmail.com. I'm Liam Edwards, and you can follow me on Twitter at LiamBME if you have any questions or you'd like to talk to me about the show. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you very much to Andy, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.